Okay, first of all, something that literally every college football fan needs to hear. And second of all, grading every team in the Pac-12 with their 2022 football season. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. If you haven't already, please like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show. I appreciate everybody out there who has done so already. I appreciate you all as well taking this short 10 seconds of your life to listen to a really important PSA on the college football front. Are you ready to start your timers? Okay, here we go. Any list that says way too early top 25 is number one, way too early for a reason, number two, ridiculous, and number three, cannot even be completed at this point in time because the transfer portal is open for another seven days and there will be another window in the spring. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, that's why I'm not not a fan of that sort of stuff. I've seen them flying around. I've gotten messages from a couple people like, man, look at this list, look at that list. I'm like, dude, 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 it's way too early for a reason. Let's, let's just focus on what we saw in 2022 and take the news day by day, shall we? All right, moving on. Handing out grades for the teams this season across the Pac-12, all 12 of them, yes, including the LA schools. And this is not a reflection because I'm, I'm planning at some point to do a separate segment in which I do the coaching grades because that's a little bit different as I'll explain. But this is a reflection of how the team performed based on their expectations and also just kind of what their program's history in mind and what they accomplished in 2022. We're going to start geographically up north and work our way all the way down and out and, you know, that sort of thing. I think technically I should change the order a little bit if I were doing north to south, but eh, it's not super relevant. So we start with Washington State. They get a B. Yes, they lost their bowl game in disappointing fashion. That was not the end you wanted. But when you lose both your coordinators, what are your expectations really? Not one, but two going into a bowl game. That was one of the few good bets that I gave out on the show this year. I'm trying to get better at that for next year, but you know, early returns, not, not, uh, not so good. Anyway, Washington State, solid B. Because for Washington State, a seven-win season, over 500, playing in a bowl game is a good season. But the reason, and by the way, just as a general rule here, this applied to my coaching grades that I did long, long ago on the show that some of you may remember. I do not give out A's and B's like candy on Halloween. If you had B in your letter grade as a coach or as a team, I am saying you had an above average season for the context that I am currently talking about. And for Washington State, being over 500, given that program's history, is a good solid season. It wasn't otherworldly or amazing, but I initially had this at like C plus B minus, but then I remembered Washington State went on the road and won at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a notable thing. Even if Wisconsin ended up as I think a seven and six team, that's still a good win. Solid B for Washington State. Washington though, Washington and spoiler Oregon State are the only two teams 
that have the letter A in their grade. They both get an A minus. Spencer, why isn't it an A plus? Oregon State had their first 10 win season since 2006. Washington overperformed basically everybody's standards, especially my own. They went 11 and two. They're going to end the year in the top 10 and maybe start the year in the top 10 going into next year. Why isn't an A or an A plus? Because I save an A or an A plus for when you do the absolute best that I think your program's capable of. I've seen Washington get to the college football playoff. They didn't do that this year. That's when you'll get an A or an A plus, but you certainly get an A minus because that was a heck of a turnaround and an exclamation point going into the state of Texas, basically a road game against the Longhorns and Washington picks up win number 11 in year number one. Michael Panix comes back. That is an A minus season for the Washington Huskies. Oregon, a C plus, a little above average for the Ducks. Did they win 10 games? Yep. But they should have gotten back to the Pac-12 championship game. They put themselves in the position to where they only had to win two of their last three. And they ended up losing to their two biggest rivals. And they came up short of that goal. And they are retooling the roster in a significant way, I think, because of the defensive shortcomings in both of those particular games. But the expectation for the Ducks, who coming into this year had been to three straight Pac-12 championships, really two straight, let's... They'd been to back-to-back Pac-12 championship games in full college football seasons. They didn't get there this year. That is not great. But they end it. They end up ten and three. It's slightly above average. A C is an average season. That's what it is for me. C is average. C plus, eh, slightly above average. Oregon State had an A minus. I thought about making this an A, but now that I've seen what Oregon State did this year and what I think they can become. I don't think that's the pinnacle. I don't think they've hit 10 wins for the first time in over a decade and just peaked, and they're going to just regress back to being a five to seven win program every year. I don't think that at all. I think for Oregon State, you look at 2023 and say, could they get to the Pac-12 championship? Yeah, they could. I've seen Oregon State play in the final game of the regular season back when it was the Pac-10 with an opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl, a place that they're trying to get to. That's A and A plus is getting up there for Oregon State, but an A minus because they had an exceptional, exceptional year. Stanford, D plus. At least you beat Notre Dame, right? I mean, that's like that was about the only highlight of the season. The other win came against Colgate, which is a brand of toothpaste, I'm pretty sure. And Arizona State, who also went three and nine, um, it was not a good year for the Cardinal. It just wasn't. That's why they've got a new coach. Doesn't mean they are in a D plus mood as a fan base right now. Does mean they had a D plus season, and that is all I'm focusing on here. What happened in the regular season? Stanford D plus, well below average, but you beat Notre Dame, so instead of a D, it's a D plus. Uh, Cal C minus, below average for for what I expect for the Bears. They should have been better. They were in a number of games against good teams. Couldn't get the job done, though. And I don't expect a lot from them. But when you're in year five as a head coach, as Justin Wilcox was this year, you should have been above a four and eight record. And I think that is slightly below average. I think for other programs, though, where I have a little bit of a higher standard or higher expectations, expectations four and eight would be a lower grade it'd be in the d's but cal can stay in the c's for that one i think a c minus season for cal usc and ucla the two teams that are not long for the pac-12 
had very similar letter grades in my view. A B for USC, a B minus for UCLA. Why did I put those grades there? Why aren't they higher? Why aren't they potentially lower? I will tell you after I tell you about my friends at Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. You can look at things like over under wind totals that we did and will do again going into next year because it was just so much fun. Hit seven of the 12 being over or under their preseason win total, according to our friends at Bet Online, Felt pretty good about that. Not much else on the gambling front, but that was pretty good. Head to the website today, Bet Online, or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online is where the game starts. Okay, I put USC to B, which sounds low when you go by the modern high school and college standards by teachers and professors that I personally lament as someone who went to high school and college that A's are just not worth what they used to be. I only had one class in college, political philosophy, that actually treated letter grades the way they should. I did very well in that class. I felt good about it. I did really, really quality work, and I ended up with a B plus, and that's about what I should have been because that's... That's the way that I think about it. I'm more old school in that sense. So yes, USC and UCLA had above average seasons, and they should feel good about what just happened. Now, USC's did get downgraded a bit, right? Probably would have been B plus, or it would have been an A if they'd gotten into the playoff. But losing both the Pac-12 championship game and the Cotton Bowl to Tulane, and they announced Alex Grinch is going to return as defensive coordinator, which if you listen to the show all the time, you know I have more than a few questions about understandably so. I'm not basing that on no data or conjecture, but anyway, that's a conversation for a previous day, which I've already had. You can check out on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this show. But USC, yes, had a well above average season compared to what their expectations should have been coming into this year. So they get a solid B. UCLA was trending towards a much higher letter grade here, but that was kind of a stinky finish. Not kind of. It was a stinky finish. They started 6-0. and They ended 3-4. and 3-4. and Not what they were shooting for there. Still above average because it's UCLA, right? It's not Washington. It's not Oregon. It's not USC. It's not one of the, you know, perennial powers from the last decade or so where you expect to be in that range, right? Like, it's still an above average season to have nine wins at UCLA, but the potential for more was there. You could almost argue that by my standard, that should be a C plus, but still I remember they went nine and three in the regular season, disappointing bowl game, DTR going out, certainly hurt their chances in, in that one. Still, that was just a bad, bad collapse against the, uh, the Pitt Panthers and um, solid above average for UCLA standards, but not uh, exceptional. Arizona gets a B. See, See how weird this kind of sounds? Wait, Arizona, 5-7 and seven Arizona, the same grade as USC? Yeah, the same grade as USC. Because Arizona, lest we forget, won like 400% more games than a year ago. And they beat Arizona State. I mean, honestly? Honestly. As I look at that and record this show, you know what? I'm bumping Arizona up. Arizona B plus. 
Arizona B plus. I'm serious. I am dead serious because the Wildcats were the doormat of the Pac-12 last year. Not only were they not that this season, but they were mildly competitive with USC. They beat their arch rival in Arizona State, and they were one game away. They were a scheduling change away from going to a bowl game this year. They were competitive with a nine-win team out of the SEC. They were competitive with Mississippi State. That's a good place to be. It's a great place to be. And compared to, you know, their season over under win total was three and a half, or I think it was two and a half coming into the year. And I said, I think that's an easy over. I thought they'd win three, maybe four games. They ended up going above and beyond that. They had five. I think you feel really good about that season if you're Arizona. And that's kind of what this is. It's like our final edition of the fan mood tracker here on the show. And I think Arizona right now, feeling above average compared to, you know, other college football programs in the country. Their rival down the road in Tempe, yeah, that's what we call a D minus. Now, again, this is in-season assessment, right? Not factoring in anything that happened. Actually, I'll give Arizona State a D. I I will give Arizona State a D, and I'll tell you why in in a moment. But everything about what happened in-season was a disaster. But if you're focused on being excited about what's happened since the season ended, that's how you know what happened in the season was not very good. So end of the year letter grade, D for Arizona State, B plus for Utah. You won the Pac-12 again. Important to not forget that. Really important to not forget that. Right now, it's probably a pretty easy thing to forget because of how the Rose Bowl went down again, right? And that's why it didn't move into the A category. Only programs that are there at the end of this season right now in terms of where I think the fan mood, the, the fan base's mood should be, Oregon State and Washington. I think those are the two most optimistic fan bases combining how things went in the 2022 season and how it projects to 2023. I think those are the two most optimistic, and I think they should be. I think they should be. USC is in that conversation as well, but Alex Grinch allowed 40 points three times this year. And USC went 0-3 in those games. Caleb Williams can't do it all by himself every week. Got to be better on that particular front. But Utah, in the back-to-back conference champs, that's well above average and still a really good place to be, right? Going into 2023, someone is going to try and stop Utah from winning their third straight Pac-12 title. We'll see how that plays out. It'll be fun. All right, Colorado, D minus. Only reason it's not an F is because they didn't go 0-12. <laughs> That's the only reason it wasn't an F. And again, things have improved dramatically for Colorado since then. But during the season, we remember how bad it was. That's one of the worst Power 5 teams I think I've ever seen in college football. And I've been watching this sport for... A long time, even though I'm not very old. Most of my life, that was a really, really bad team. But the good news, better things are on the way for the buffs with Coach Prime at the helm. Okay, those are the letter grades. Just to recap, Colorado D minus, Arizona D, or sorry, Arizona B plus, Arizona State D, Utah a B plus, UCLA B minus, USC B, Cal C minus, Stanford D plus, Oregon State A minus, Oregon C plus, Washington A minus, and Washington State a B. Maybe a B minus there for Washington State because of the slow end of the year, but first year, first time head coach, I think they did pretty darn well. So let's move to the mailbag. And by the way, I noticed this on YouTube yesterday. I'm not really sure why, 
but on a recent video, some of you put comments on there that didn't pop up as a notification to me, so I didn't see them, and I was kind of responding to them, so I apologize for that. I don't know what happened. Usually, you leave a YouTube comment, and I'm able to go in there, respond to it, put a question in uh, the show as I'm about to do. Um, so I guess the most surefire way to get in touch with me is on Twitter, at smalls underscore 55 or at lo underscore pack 12 but still, you can hop in the YouTube comments, drop, a, drop one in there, and I will do my best to try to you know really really filter through I, I don't know why they didn't show up I just went on there and there were comments I hadn't responded to that were like three days old and I I don't know I don't know what happened there just kind of a glitch uh, from YouTube but I did get this one that provoked an interesting thought from de d dot e dot you know dots being periods of course uh, he says I have an answer for all of college football but it's radical so I won't waste my breath Sports in the West has a problem with its recruiting pool. Kind of. It's California. Well, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, when the Pac-10 added two teams, the sharing of the pool weakened the entire conference. This is an interesting point. Look at the quality of the Pac before and after expansion. The Pac-10 was brutal after OSU upgraded their coaches. I don't have an answer for the current 12-plus team concept, but diluting the recruiting pool isn't the best approach either. This is a fascinating point to bring up, and I think worthy of discussion here on the show, hence why we're talking about it here on the show in this moment. So what my friend D.E. is missing here is that, yes, he, he is correct that when you add more teams to the Power 5 level, right, specifically, it is, it's just Utah, actually, because Colorado was at the Power 5 level before, so still going after the same sorts of players, but maybe coming over into California a little bit more. But let's be honest, has Colorado taken a bunch of the talent and diluted it from teams in the pack, stopping them from being great and keeping them to just being good? Yeah, probably not. But you add Utah into the mix, they can go after a higher caliber of player like the Clark Phillips of, uh, of the world, right? Those, those four-star players or high threes who you know, turn out to be really good power five football players. And Utah does, to an extent, dilute that. However, the consideration I think that he, he is missing here is he's going all the way back to 2010 when they announced, you know, Utah and Colorado are coming into the league as expansion teams. But do you know what else has happened from 2010 to now? We just began 2023. The number of high-quality recruits for college football teams to go after in the United States has grown a lot. There are a lot more good players. I don't have the specific numbers, but what I can tell you is football continues to be, here in the United States, a bigger and bigger part of society. It's one of the reasons that this show has had the success that it has to this point, which I'm very grateful for. I talk a lot about football because you all tell me what you care about the most, and that's college football. And as college football has grown with new TV deals, with more exposure, with conference expansion, all of this sort of stuff, expansion of the playoff maybe plays into it, but less so or whatnot. Football has become a bigger and bigger emphasis in society. So what you're seeing is parents who recognize that as an opportunity to get their kid to go to college and have it paid for. And that is a very, very big goal 
for thousands of parents across the country. And so what you have seen is as the sport has grown, right, everything grows at the prep ranks more. Everything grows at the club ranks more at the high school and middle school level and kids start earlier or they, you know, I mean, honestly, a lot of them are are just bigger or more well-trained or they're in the weight room sooner or we are churning out as a country more and more quality football players now than we were back then. So I, I understand your point here, DE, about, you know, you bring in these extra teams and if you were to do that from the G5 level again with potential expansion looming, you're going to dilute the pool. For a couple players, yes, but the the supply of power five capable college football players in the United States is astronomical. And it's why you've seen, and you've seen this in college basketball as well, more and more upsets have happened over time or the gap has closed for some programs in college basketball, right? A 16 finally beat a one in, what was that, 2018, 2019, when UMBC beat Virginia. They were able to do that because the supply of good college basketball players, I could argue outstrips the demand, even though the demand is exceptionally high. But it's so competitive and it's so ingrained in our sport, sports culture, which is such a huge part of what we do here for, for our leisure time in the United States, that there are an abundance of players. And I don't worry at all, even if you added four G5 teams, I do not worry really at all about them diluting the recruiting pool too much to stop a Pac-12 team from putting together a high caliber roster. Because for instance, Utah joined the Pac with Colorado in 2011. Buffs probably started recruiting a little bit more out west, a little bit less, you know, in the in the middle part of the country when they were playing in the Big 12. Though certainly they can still do that, and Coach Prime now can probably recruit anybody anywhere because he's Coach Prime. Oregon, for instance, had its highest rated recruiting class in program history in the 2021 recruiting cycle, 10 years after Utah joined the conference. And when you look at the recruiting profiles of other schools, right? If you're going to make that point that, no, there's just not enough players there. Well, which programs recruiting fell off dramatically since the Pac-12 was formed compared to when it was just the Pac-10? USC with the right coach, Lincoln Riley, can recruit at a top 10, 15, 5 level. But they didn't have the right coach before with Clay Helton. Now they do. And they can still get to that level and bring in those high caliber players. And you can't directly compare to the SEC and programs like Alabama and Georgia or even Miami with Mario Cristobal now or anything like that because the West Coast is at a disadvantage already, right? Like that's not the the question that we're trying to answer here. Just a counterpoint that I thought of in my head. But what you can do is continue to emphasize recruiting and football and the opportunities that football presents to kids all across the country and their families who want their children to go to college, but maybe don't want to pay for it or aren't able to afford it. But football has provided them an opportunity to do just that. And yes, some guys are going strictly for football, but a lot of college football players 
most of them actually, the overwhelming majority, are not going to play anywhere professionally. A lot of them will, most of them won't, and then they'll be sitting there with a college degree, which is kind of the ultimate point that always gets lost in the shuffle here of college sports in the first place. But that's how I would respond to that point, is the supply, it, it seems to only continue to grow. Because the physical athlete, I mean, how many times do diamonds get lost in the rough? We've seen that seemingly increase over the last few years. Where you have these guys who go to schools that, that are smaller in you know smaller conferences or whatnot, and then you look at it and you say, wait, how did this how, how how did these programs overlook this guy? Because there's so much talent. There's so much talent everywhere. And it's just going to continue to grow and grow because that's what our society is demanding right now. We are a football-obsessed, crazed culture, and I am so here for it. But that was an interesting point. Uh, finally, have to close with this. Uh, I'll, I'll go with an optimistic point on Cal before the uh, negative that will turn into a positive for somebody else. They have a nice running back room going into next year. I don't know who their quarterback is going to be. Ethan Garbers. Um, just name to watch there, but they got a running back from Tennessee and Justin Williams. They've already got Jay Knott, who's a stud, and they added Byron Cardwell from Oregon. So they, again, are going to have some nice skill position pieces and their wide receiver room, though, uh, might depend on who's playing quarterback because you don't know who that's going to be. They also need offensive line help, but they're retooling on that particular front. But here's the thing I really wanted to get to with Cal. Jay Michael Sturdivant is in the transfer portal. That guy was a four-star recruit, I believe a top 150 player in the country coming out of high school, and he's a really good player. He is a true number one wide receiver. He was that for Cal this season, has entered the transfer portal, does not have a home at this point in time. And I'm telling you right now, he could start on just about every team. Well, he would start on every team in the conference. You always have to consider USC in these sorts of situations. I think Arizona could be a player here. That'd be a good fit. Washington State as well. The number one place he should go. The number one seamless fit is Oregon State. couple reasons why. Number one, they are losing Treshawn Harrison. So they don't have a number one wide receiver and they need one, right? Arizona doesn't necessarily need one. Washington State kind of does. USC doesn't necessarily because they've got so much talent coming into that program via the portal. Five-star true freshman Zachariah Branch coming in in 2023. Oregon State needs one or two high-level wide receivers or at least starting caliber wide receivers. J. Michael Sturdivant would go to Oregon State and be the number one. Here's the second thing. They just added DJ Uyunglele. He's got no chemistry or rapport with any of the receivers Oregon State will have coming back next year. Doesn't mean there aren't, there aren't solid players like Silas Bolden, but you need a true number one on the outside. And J. Michael Sturdivant can provide that. And if those two can build some chemistry, it adds another dimension to that offense. He is a good route runner. He's got great speed, great hands. He makes catches in traffic. He does a lot of the things that Treshawn Harrison did. I think he's a better wide receiver than Treshawn Harrison. Think about that if you're an Oregon State fan. Think about that. The offense you had this year with a superior quarterback who's got infinite more arm talent, what if you took your number one wide receiver and you upgraded at that position too? Damian Martinez, the freshman of the year offensively, is coming back. You've got a bunch of returners on the offensive line. I trust Jonathan Smith to figure out the tight end position no matter what. 
But if you add J. Michael Sturdivant on the outside, that is a perfect, perfect fit. And if I'm Oregon State, I am doing whatever the process is for getting a guy out of portal to go get the former California Golden Bear. So not all bad news for the Bears right now. They do need a quarterback. Kai Milner went to NAU. He was their four-star who was kind of, you know, ready and waited. They have, like, they have no quarterback right now. Jack Plummer left. Kai Milner left. Like, everybody left. No idea what Cal is going to do on that front. But I know what J. Michael Sturdivant should do. He should go to Oregon State. You go play for a winner, whereas this year at Cal, they went 4-8. and eight. Clearly part of the reason he was frustrated. You could go to an offense that will be able to get you the ball because you're the number one wide receiver. It's not the most pass-happy offense in the conference. Totally understand. Totally get that. However, you would be the clear number one, and they will need you to make some plays. They needed Treshawn Harrison to make a play late against Stanford, or this is a 9-4 and four season, not a 10-3 and three season. Just saying. Just saying. Seems like a perfect fit. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time, and have a wonderful rest of your day.